Hey everybody, welcome to the Mini Break, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel production with all of your storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, October 2nd, and we are here to talk about and catch you up on Asian Swing results. My name is Jamie McDonald, and I'll be your host for today, and I've got my Wednesday regular, steady as ever, Matt Stokowiak, with me. Hey Matt, how's it going? Jamie, what's up? I mean, it's been a minute. How you doing? It has. I know. I feel like I feel like we say this like every few weeks, though. But we just kind of got off on a rhythm there. I think everybody got thrown with how crazy things were with U.S. Open and Labor Cup, and it's, I just feel like we haven't had a minute to sort of catch up. Yeah, little chaotic time, man. I mean, all these tournaments going on. You know, after the U.S. Open, Labor Cup was in there. It's uh, it got a little crazy, but. I think we're back on schedule. Yeah, now we're back on it. And so, as I discussed, we're going to be talking about those results in Asia. And one thing, too, I feel like, uh, at least in some of the other sort of uh, times in the hardcore season, we're spoiled, right, because of all of the home soil tournaments. You know, it's great. It's on in the morning. It's on when you get home from work. This one, a little bit more difficult. This this time is a little bit more difficult to keep up with all the results and be able to watch any of the action, right? Yeah, man. I mean, these guys are playing when I'm sleeping, right? So, um, you know, got to watch some replays, you know, here and there, but, um, you know, still good tennis either way. For sure. Good tennis and stuff that we should definitely talk about. So listeners, what we're really going to be talking about today primarily is the action um, in Japan and then also in China. So you got Beijing and Tokyo, two big tournaments going on right now. In Beijing, both the men and women are playing, so ATP and WTA action. And then in Tokyo, it's just the ATP action. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and hop in. Primarily, we're going to be talking about the round of 32. It, I'm going to try and refrain from saying yesterday, today as much as possible because it gets so messy, you know, imagine might go on at 11:45 p.m. and then you know it might go on at 1 a.m. and that's the same round but they're counted as different days it's it's just <laughs> all over the place so let's talk about round of 32 action um, we do see in Beijing Benchich getting the win she's the nine seed she gets the win in three sets over Venus Williams three six six three seven five another close one Spitalina getting the win over Wang she's the three seed winning seven six seven six seven five in that first breaker seven one in the second another round of 32 result involving a big name Simona Halep but she goes out two and three to Alexandrova um, not a good result for Simona the six seed getting upset early in this one Siniakova taking out um, former French Open winner Ostapenko, 6-2, 6-1 in a routine result. And Burton's taking out uh, Yastrzemska, 7-6, 6-3. That's the eight seed moving on. As we continue through the round of 32, um, another pretty surprising, just uh, very convincing result against the seed here. Sloane Stephens, the 13 seed, going out 6-3, 6-1 to Zhang. Now, just what we've seen from Sloan, I guess, in the last few months, you know, where's her game at right now, Matt? Um, I mean, I don't think she's playing well right now, man. I mean, this result isn't – I can't really say that I'm that shocked um, going into the U.S. Open. I mean, I didn't really have any confidence in Sloan to do any damage there. I just – I haven't liked where her game's at mentally. I don't think she's feeling all that great about it. I, I think her confidence is low. And she's just not playing – I just feel like she's not really playing the style that she needs to play. I mean her, her unforced errors are up and, you know, she's she's got the speed around the court. I think she just needs to, to utilize more of the strengths of her game and just get back to doing what she does well. I don't know, man. I think a lot of it's confidence, honestly. But, yeah, I, honestly, 2019 for her at this point is – 
is about a wrap. I mean, I'm for her, I'm already thinking towards 2020. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think it's fair. You mentioned confidence there. So hard to have that confidence with some of the results that she's posted. You know, as of late, we look, even if you go back to um, some other hardcore tournaments up in Canada, she went out in the round of 32 as the seven seed. She goes out six, two, seven, five. Then you go to Cincinnati gets a win in three sets, but then gets absolutely demolished by Kuznetsova, yeah. one and two. U.S. Open loses first round straight sets, right? So we're seeing things recently that are just not that good from her, and this is just another um, you know, unfortunate result, right? Three and one, she's the seed, and she gets upset, right? Just not what you want to see from Sloan. I think you put it exactly right, though. In her mind, I think she's sort of framing this as, you know, hey, we're looking forward to 2020, but unfortunate, and we'll see how she rebounds, you know, especially come time for Australia and whatnot because we've seen Sloan, I mean, she has a phenomenal ability on a hard court. It just, for some reason, has not been translating this year. Yeah, I think with a fresh start, uh, she'll be fine. I, I really do. I mean, she's obviously got the talent and everything. The skills are there, but it's just like she's she's stuck in a rut right now. And I mean, honestly, she's just got to get out of this year, man. I mean, that's that's the thing. She's stuck. Once once she can flip the page, um, you know, get to the off season, train a little bit, just clear her mind. I think she'll come back. You know, she'll be looking good next year. Yep. And you know, we were talking Americans here. On sort of the flip side there, Allison Riss getting a win um, moving forward over the uh, the Aussie Tom Linovich, 6-3-3-6-6-4. Sophia Kennan taking out Pavlyuchinkova, 6-3-6-2. Um, one that's yet to go on. See, this is why it's confusing. It's still round of the 32, but it has, is about to go on here at 11.30 um, Central Time. Jennifer Brady and Madison Keys an All-American showdown. We will see uh, what goes down in that one. I think, um, especially from what we've seen from Madison Keys, this is this is expected to sort of be one-way traffic, or, or am I wrong? Um. No, I mean, I think that's fair. It's just with with Keys, man, I always want to, like, pump the brakes because she'll throw in that's that fair. match where it's just, like, she'll make, like, 40 unforced errors and, you know, that's she'll fair. lose, she, like, two and yeah. three, and it's just like, ugh, like, that was a bad match. But, I mean, that's her game, right? She's always played that way. It's high risk, high reward. You know, it's, it's either going to pay off or it's not, and she's going to lose. So, I mean, I would say she's definitely a solid favorite, but – Again, she she kind of has that that ability, which you know is not a good thing, where she can just kind of throw that clunker of a match in there if she makes way too many errors. So I don't yeah. know. We'll see. I, I think most likely she'll get through it, but you never you never do know. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Well, we saw, um, you know, Mikhail, the another American, go out to the 16 seed Caroline Wozniacki, six four six zero. You know, you see Kerber go out to Hercog, six four six two. Osaka gets a very routine win over Petkovic, two and zero. Kasakina takes out the 12 seed Sabalenka, six four seven six, and Kvitova takes out Mladenovic, six four six four. You know, Ash Barty, the number one seed in this. Um, She's looking pretty good now. I mean, we had that, you know, you have all the drama on the WTA side, of course, of, you know, who's in that one spot. Ash Barty reasserting herself at the top of the game, getting a win over Putin Seva, 6-4, 6-2. So she's looking good moving into the round of 16. We mentioned the Brady and Keys matchup in terms of ones to watch. Um, you know, we've got some other, you know, really electric matchups coming up. I think one that I am circling to watch that I think could be a lot of fun, and I definitely want your thoughts on this, Svitolina and Sophia Kennan. What are your thoughts on that matchup? That's a good matchup. I mean, I, I like that matchup. I hope Kennan can pull it off. I think she can. She's got to be aggressive. Um 
here's the thing with Fidelina. I mean, she she moves well. She really plays a, a good counter punching game. Um, if if you kind of let her get into that and just roll balls back and you know play down the middle of the court, she's probably gonna win. I mean, I really think Kenan needs to step up, get on that baseline, and use her power to kind of push Svitolina around a little bit. And if she's she's hitting her shots, man, it's a match that. I mean, Pennant can definitely win. I mean, she can play with the best players in the world. So um, I think it's I think it's interesting. Stylistically, it's a good matchup. Um, I'll be interested to keep my eye on that one as well. But it's tough to call upset alert. I mean, I'd love to do it. You know, in fact, I'll do it. I mean, I'll I'll pick I'll pick Kenan in that match. I mean, obviously, I'm a big fan of hers. I think, you know, out of all the young Americans, you know, coming up, she's right up there with Amanda Anisimova and and them. So, yeah, I mean, she can do it, man. I, I hope she can pull it off. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. She does need to sort of break this fiddling rhythm that we've seen, sort of, um, you know, take over matches before, right? Because she can just get yeah, everything sure. back. But you see, too, you know, people can, if you keep that pressure on her and make her uncomfortable, don't let her get into that rhythm. You know, her game can kind of fall apart. And so, if, so if Sophia Kennan's able to do that and sort of impose a big game and um, really keeps fiddling on her back feet and not able to get into the rhythm of just making balls and you know being that machine, I, I think she does. Like you said, I think she does have a good chance of getting through that match but there are other fun um, players to watch as well going on Andreescu is back in action Benchich will be taking on Kvitova Ash Barty taking on Zhang Hercog and Burtons um, all in the round of 16 so plenty of good action in Beijing on the women's side Let's go ahead and hop over to the men's side as well. Once again, just to remind you all, Beijing is where the men and women are both playing. So we're going to once again talk about some of the round of 32 action that we've seen thus far. I think right off the bat, we had an interesting one. Rublev and Dimitrov in the round of 32. Rublev took out Dimitrov 6-2-7-5. Once again, just showing that Rublev is for real. Of course, in 2019, we see we saw him come back from injury and he seems to be in a really good place honestly he seems to be feeling his game Dimitrov of course had the run at the U.S. Open but Rublev shutting that down Rublev's so comfortable on a hard court so great to see him there Cam Nori gets through against Christian Guerin because of a retirement after winning the first set Zverev um, makes very quick work of Francis Tiafo. so I want your thoughts on this one Zverev the two seed taking out Tiafo 6-3-6-2 I, I mean what are you thinking about Francis Tiafo's game after this match well, I think, man, this is a tough matchup. I don't know exactly. Off the top of my head, I don't know what their head-to-head is, career on the on the tour. But I know the last couple times or the last few times that they've played, Zverev has gotten the better of Francis. And I just – I don't know if it's completely mental or if it's more just like the physical matchup. But Zverev just seems to have his number. And, and you know, this 3-2 and two is a little bit, um, you know, more of a – I don't want to say blowout, but just it was a little more convincing than I thought it would probably be. I know that they've split sets before. Um, but yeah, Francis, I mean, this time of year, man, is always – it's so tough to tell, right? Because the U.S. Open's done. The Grand Slams are done for 2019. You never really know like where these guys and these players' heads are going to be at you know, now that we're in October, you know, going into November, um, there's only a few tournaments left this year. So it's like, who wants it? Who, who's really trying to get some points and, you know, improve their ranking, get some confidence. You never know for Francis, I would say overall, he would probably tell us that he's had 
in his terms, a disappointing 2019. I think he would have expected more from himself uh, throughout this year, especially after the run that he made to the quarters of the Australian, you know, early this year. So again, he's another guy similar to Sloan Stevens that we talked about earlier. I think he just kind of needs to flush it, get to 2020 or get to the off season, you know, get back to training, kind of clear his head, refocus and, and come back out again in 2020. I think he'll be fine. But when these two guys match up, man, Zverev, I, I think he just he takes that court feeling confident against Francis. And a confident Zverev, you know, is usually a very, very good player. It's when he's not confident and he's a little shaken where Zverev can lose. So it's it's tough matchup yeah. for Francis, no doubt. Yeah, that's very true. It's just it's interesting to me. We saw them play not too long ago. Of course, as you, as you were alluding to, Zverev did get the better of him. But when they played at the U.S. Open, a very close match. I mean, five set match, right? Yeah. So I think at least maybe for some spectators, you're thinking maybe this is going to be close. Interestingly, though, I know we talked about a bit uh, this a bit on the pod. One of the many many U.S. Open pods is what was weird about that match is even though it was five sets. None of those sets were like crazy close. You know, Zverev won that match 6-3, 3-6, And then today, or yesterday, excuse me, Zverev wins that 6-3, 6-2. So, you know, maybe if you play that match out longer, it becomes closer. I'm not sure. Just interesting to see going from a five-set match at a major to a fairly routine routing. Um, unfortunate for Tiafa. But like you said, similar outlook there. Just looking forward to 2020 to regroup. You know, of course, we've seen him look great on a hard court. So I don't think that's necessarily the issue of being a surface. I just think mentally he's got to regroup here at the end of 2019. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree, man. Um, I know we talked about Cam Norrie, a couple other Brits in action. Dan Evans getting the win over Lee, 6-3-6-4. Kyle Edmund getting upset by Zhang. Uh, Zhang takes it 6-4-3-6-7-6 in the third. Shardy getting a tight, tight win over Chechenato, 6-7-6-3-7-6. Hatchinov with the win over Pablo Cuevas, 6-2-7-6-9-7 in that second set breaker. So we move on to a couple other round of 32 matchups. Unfortunate for Bautista Agut, the five seed has to retire against Sam Query, the American. Query won the first set in a breaker, was up 4-1 in the second, and Bautista called it. Schwartzman getting the win over Verdasco, 6-4, 3-6, 6-3. And Tsitsipas, also a three-set winner over Lazovic. The three-seed Tsitsipas winning 4-6, 6 3 6 getting a win over Pella. Um, I think a little bit disappointing for Pella just given how, I don't know, he had such a great stretch there for a ton of 2019. He was doing so well on clay that, of course, was able to translate that to some grass success and then was getting a little comfortable on the hard courts, it looked like, maybe. Unfortunately, just not able to do it. Loses 6-4-7-6 to Basilashvili. Dominic team, the one seed in this one, taking out Gasquet very convincingly, 6-4-6-1. And Fognini, the six seed, barely getting through in three sets. This is the one I talk. I want to talk about a little bit just because Fabio is such an interesting guy. The six seed takes out Mikhail Kukushkin, 6-4-4-6-7-6. Guy like Fognini, and look, this isn't you know trying to downplay Kukushkin or his talent level. He's been on the tour for a long time, and we've seen him get some big wins. But shouldn't Fognini be winning in a more convincing manner than this in a match like this? Seven six in the third over Kukushkin. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, you can you can say that, but at the same time, you know who we're talking about. I mean, Fabio is just. 
he's one of those guys, man, that's he can check in and check out of matches mentally. You know, for a few games stretch, he'll look unbelievable. And then the next few games, he'll just look like, you know, he, he doesn't even know what he's doing out there. So um, really, I mean, for me, he's still got the win. It's it's not all that surprising just because it is Fabio Fognini. I sure. mean, if it was somebody else, then maybe. Um, but we've seen this kind of thing from him before. Kukushkin. He's actually surprised me lately, man. I mean, he's been he's been playing better tennis than I really thought he was even capable of. I mean, you mentioned it. He's he's a veteran of the tour. He's been around for a while, but mm-hmm. he was always, you know, he was always one of those guys where you would kind of want to get him in the draw. Like if if you saw him in the draw, you're like, oh, okay, like I got a pretty good draw. But recently, man, he's been playing some good tennis, so not shocked by the result. Fabio still got it done at the end of the day. You know, he just, he, he cranked it up on those last, you know, few clutch points that he had to. And, and that sounds about right for him. But you know, when he is playing somebody of a higher caliber, I mean, he's, you you gotta just, you gotta be locked in from point one or else, you know, you're going down. So. Yeah. And I think too, a lot of times Fabio is one of those guys who rises to the occasion of who he's playing. And so that's just part of who he is. But no, I mean, you're definitely right. And I I just brought it up there because you see Fonini and yeah, look, the guy won a masters this year. So you're thinking like, you know, where's his level at? And this is great. But, um, we're also talking about a guy, Kukushkin. He he was the one who ruined all of our brackets by taking out Bautista good in the U S open. And another guy who I'll say it again, the weirdest backhand I've ever seen when I was watching him play at Wimbledon. Um, yeah, got to plug that and brag anytime I can. But seriously, when I was watching him play at Wimbledon, it was so weird. I mean, we were just sitting there on court three. He's playing John Isner, and the ball just has backspin on it every time. Like, he's swinging through it like you would think it would be a topspin backhand, and it's just like this slight backspin and a little bit of side spin on it. It is absolutely bizarre. I don't know if it just throws players off because it's so flat and doesn't have that normal sort of, uh, I guess, just ball flight and ball path to it, but very bizarre. Regardless, Fognini gets through that one, um, and he's he's going to have to be locked in for his next one. You mentioned you know needing to have that sort of attitude. He's he's going to play Andre Rublev next, a guy who has been in very very good form. So Fognini is going to need to shape it up a touch to be able to get through that one. I don't want to spend too much more time there because we do have some other round of 32 matches to look into. FAA getting the win over Ramos Manola, 6-3, 6-4. Gael Monfils, the 7 seed, falling to American John Isner, 6-4, 6-7, 6-3. Now, the one we've got to talk about, you and I were texting about it a bit earlier today. Your guy, Matteo Berrettini, someone we've been hot on and, and, well, I can't take as much credit as you, of course. You've been you've been big on Matteo Berrettini for a long time now. Goes out to the comeback veteran Andy Murray, seven six seven six. Murray gets that win nine seven in the second one. What are your thoughts on this result? Yeah, I mean it's bittersweet, right? Like Berrettini's sure. obviously like my guy. Like that that's my dude. I want him to win. You know, every time he's on the court, but. Andy Murray, man, it's, I love watching him play too. You know, obviously he's making this comeback right now. Um, so I'm very happy that he was able to get a significant win. I mean, Berrettini, you know, obviously you know how I feel about him, but I feel like he is absolutely right now one of the best players in the world. So for, for Murray to get that win in two tiebreakers, that's big time for him. And, you know, that's, that's going to give him a ton of confidence you know, going forward, just believing, okay, I just beat a guy that's top 15 right now. You know, maybe I do still have something left. 
mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more to give. So for sure. Yeah. Great win. Um, you know, obviously Berrettini's going to be disappointed. He he's going to feel like he he should go deep and be challenging for every tournament that he plays from now on. I mean, you know, when you make the semis of a of a Grand Slam, you know, you feel like you belong in every single tournament. But for Murray, man, it's a big step in the right direction. So very happy for him. Yeah, I'd love to see that, and he will square off against fellow Brit Cam Nori. Um, that one's also slotted to go down around eleven thirty or twelve thirty Eastern time. Yeah, that's a, that's a good draw, and definitely some opportunity for Murray on his comeback tour. Let's get into some of the matchups. I know I had already sort of spoiled the round of 16. That's going to be Rublev and Fognini. I think that one's really interesting. Some really, I don't know. This is going to, this is just an awesome slate of matches, honestly. Isner and Dan Evans, Felix and Zverev, Team and Zhang, Basilishvili and Tsitsipas, Query and Schwartzman, Hatchinov and Shardy. I'm really circling Query and Schwartzman and then FAA and Zverev here. What about you? Yeah, I, I was definitely thinking FAA Zverev. That's if I could only watch one of them, that would be the one that I'd want to watch. Obviously, two two really young guys. Um, FAA, you know, obviously being younger, but on the come up still. And and Zverev, you know, we know what he can do. I just I think it's a fascinating matchup. I mean, how are those guys going to react? You know, Zverev as the older guy for once. You know, playing a guy that's 18 years old. That's you know just coming up. Um, you know, like FAA, it's, it's going to be an interesting, you know, just mindset to see where both those guys are at. You know, does Felix get a little tight, you know, because he's playing another young guy, you know, it's not like he has nothing to lose at this point. He's not playing Roger Federer, who's, who's a veteran. He's playing Zverev, you know, more of a peer. Uh, so I just think, I think that's going to be a fantastic matchup, man. And, uh, the other one that you mentioned, Rublev Fognini, I think if, if Fabio does not come out from point one and and really show that he's mentally ready to play I mean Rublev could just hit him right off the court I mean we know that he possesses that kind of power and if Fabio isn't ready I mean he Rublev is the type of guy that will just rip you right off the court so um if Fabio does show up that could be a fantastic match probably a three-setter I wouldn't be shocked same thing with FAA Zverev I'm I'm thinking three sets yeah, well, we would definitely love to see it. Hopefully, uh, it looks like Rublev and Fonini is supposed to go on at about 2.50 a.m. my time, 3.50 a.m. your time. So may not catch that one, unfortunately. But the FAA's Zverev match is still two to be to be determined in terms of when it goes on. So maybe we'll get lucky and it'll go on at a time where we can uh, hopefully catch some of that action. But we've spent a good amount of time on the action here in Beijing. Let's go ahead and hop over to the ATP Match results from Tokyo in the Japan Open. Um, once again, we're going to be going through the round of 32 here. Starting off, Luca Pui getting the win over Hubie Hercatch, 6-4, 6-3. Struf, guy we've been hot on, going out to the, um, the Japanese Soida, 4-6, 7-6, 6-3. Um, as we continue through the round of 32, we see a couple more results that really just not competitive matches and kind of surprising. Um, Benoit Pair goes out to um, Uchiyama, excuse me on the pronunciation if that's not correct, but that's 6-2 and 6-2. Um, Taro Daniel, fellow Japanese player as well, taking out Shorich, the two seed, 6-4, 4-6, 7-6. So the Japanese on home soil here are really doing well in, in the round of 32, getting big time upsets. Nishioka, another Japanese player, was able to get a win over Joao Sousa, 7-5, 6-3. Um, unfortunately, 
in terms of keeping that trend going for the country. Sugita was not able to pull off the big upset over Marin Cilic. Cilic, the sixth seed, coming through 6-4, 6-4. We see Chung back in action. We've talked about him. Of course, Gruskin and I have spent a lot of time talking about him as well, but great to see him back, taking out Sinego, 3-6, 6-3, 6-4. Jill Simone takes out Andujar, 6-4, 6-0, in a fairly routine win. And in the all-American battle. We got to spend a little bit of time on this one. The seven seed Taylor Fritz going out to fellow American Riley Opelka. Six three six four. No tie breaks required for Riley Opelka here. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean definitely surprising. I think if you would have asked either one of us before that match, you know, would there be a tiebreaker? I'm almost certain both of us would have said yes. Um, but I think what's interesting about this matchup, man, is these two guys are such great friends. I mean, they grew up playing together. They're so close that I almost feel like the tennis part of it, like if we're looking at matchups, trying to break down their games and, and how they match up and everything, almost all of that just goes out the window when they step on the court and it just becomes kind of a mental game, you know, because they know their game so well. I mean, they've been practicing with each other for years and years it was one of those days where Opelka was just feeling it, you know. He he was he was in the groove and and Taylor Fritz didn't quite have his A game and and that's kind of the result that we got. Um but I don't read too much into it. I mean, I'm not going to put all that much stake into that one, you know, that one match just because I know that it's with those two guys, it's a little bit more than just the tennis match. You know what I mean? For sure, absolutely. There's so much at play there. I think one thing that was interesting for I don't know for us enthusiasts who were following Labor Cup to see you know Fritz really come into his own and and get a big result. We're thinking, wow, you know this is great. Maybe this can be extrapolated. He can take this outside of Labor Cup and bring it in. So maybe a result like this just a little bit disappointing to see that he can't capitalize on it. But just a really different scenario when you're playing someone a like Opelka just from a game wise. I mean, really. If his serve's on, a lot of times there's not that much you can do. You know, you'd expect some tie breaks. And so if your serve's not on or, you know, he gets hot and hits a couple big forehands, right, like you're in some trouble. And then, of course, like you mentioned, there's the element of the, the fact that these guys have known each other forever. They know each other's games so well. And it's just super different when it's a dynamic. You're playing a guy you've hit against a million times, someone who's a friend. It's just it's just a very different setup. So Opelka gets through in this one. Good for him. Um, regardless of the winner here, an American uh, goes on to the round of 16 in Japan. So ultimately, good stuff there. Um, I think a couple other thir- round of 32 matches that I wanted to at least give the results on. A young guy sort of... Uh, Uh, we've got Shapovalov taking out Kismenovich, uh, 6-4, 6-4. Um, Jordan Thompson taking out Londero, 6-3, 3-6, 6-3. Uh, and Djokovic taking out Alexi Poprin, 6-4, 6-2. Radu Albot taking out Krajinovic, 6-3, 7-5. Um, I want to go to the Shapovalov and Kesmanovich match just a little bit. 6-4, 6-4. I mean, what are you expecting, at least for the rest of the year, and then taking it into 2020? Where's the attitude of Shapovalov? What should he be thinking right now? Um, I think he's feeling pretty good. I mean, he usually plays better tennis towards the end of the year, you know, during that U.S. Open series into the U.S. Open. And then and then after that, you know, he was obviously in the Labor Cup this year. Um, and these two guys actually played at Winston-Salem. I got to see that match, Shapovalov and Kechmanovich. Uh, 
This matchup, man, just really comes down to Dennis being more aggressive. Um, Kecmanovic is very solid. He moves around the court well. He's going to get a lot of balls back. But at the same time, Dennis is just kind of able to impose himself, you know, those big, big ground strokes. And it's his game when he's on is just a little too hot to handle. So I think Dennis, you know, going into next year, he's going to be feeling good. You know, he's going to get to start out on hard courts again in in Australia and everything. So he should be feeling good about that where, where he needs to, where I think he really needs to improve is during that clay court to grass court stretch of the year. So like April through June and July, um, because that's kind of where he he typically hits a bit of a lull in his year. You know, he can start out pretty hot and then he can finish hot. Uh, but what is he going to do in that middle part of the year? I think he needs to train this offseason, you know, work on his game on clay, on grass. Uh, because if he can put that together, I mean, he's he's a really, really dangerous hardcore player. And, you know, he's got all the power. So um, I, I like where he's at. I mean, he's still super young, too, man. Remember that. I mean, it seems like he's kind of been around for for some time, but he's still super young. So, I mean, I still think it's it's huge upside with Dennis and, and he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I think that's fair. And one thing, too, I'll, I'll go ahead and call it way too far out in advance. I think Shapovalov is going to have a good clay court season next year. I'm just feeling okay. his game really, in my mind, should be able to translate to that to that surface, right? I mean, he's going to have – he's so fast and just so explosive, right? He's going to be able to track down balls. He puts a huge amount of spin and cracks the ball. So he's going to have the ability, especially with his huge long strokes, to get around the ball and really get a full swing on it. I, I don't know. I think it just suits his game. Of course, I think part of it is the fact that he's just so comfortable on hard courts. And so maybe that's why we've seen some of those results. But in terms of what we see from his game and his development, I really don't see a reason why he shouldn't be, you know, an absolute force on clay. Yeah. I mean, that's a bold prediction, man. We're going to have to bookmark that and, and remember. Yeah, you, you, can, you can hold me I, to it. I might be dead yeah, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I'll hold you to it. Well, hey, man, I mean, you could be dead right. You know, I mean, that's that's Fair. the thing. We don't know. Um, but, yeah, we'll definitely have to bookmark that and come – you know, we'll revisit that next year. I, I think, you know, what's so tough about it is, I mean, you know he wants to play so big. And when you're on clay, I mean, yeah. guys just have that ability to dig an extra ball back. You know, they yep. that, that slower surface gives them the opportunity. You know, you're playing these Europeans and South Americans that are just so good on clay. They're so fast, and they can just dig extra balls back that on a hard court, they're not touching. So, I, yeah. you know, it's tough. I don't know. I mean, I think... I think he can definitely find success on clay. I think he's just got to work at it a little bit more. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. Well, he will be a guy that we're definitely looking out for, you know, not only in this tournament, but much, much further into the future. Real quick, before we wrap up, I do want to run through the matches that are, um, well, a couple of them actually just went on, but the other ones for round of 16 um, that we will be talking about in the future. The last two round of 32 matches just went on. Go Fenn and Carino Busta, 30 all in the first game, and Millman Manorino. Manorino, of course, we just saw had that great run last week. That one's also 30 all in the first game. So we will see how those two go, and they will close out round of 32 matches. Oh, excuse me. Actually, there's one more round of 32 to go, and that goes on tonight. That's Alex Damanauer taking on Harris. We saw Damanauer, of course, having his title run, getting another title in 2019. Just real quick, I mean, how impressive from this guy. 
Oh yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he's a real deal, man. I like his game a lot. I like, I like his attitude. I like pretty much everything that he's about. So again, he's another guy. I definitely expect big things out of him, you know, the end of this year and then going into next year for sure. Yep. And when we get into the round of 16, two matches I really want to circle that I want to watch out for. We've got Nishioka and Pui and then Chung and Shillich. You take one of them to talk about. I'll take the other one. You pick it. All right. I'll go with Chung and Chilich. Um, right. You know, two guys that, you know, obviously, you know, are big time players, but Chilich hasn't been the Marin Chilich that we've known, you know, throughout his career this year. Sure. He's disappeared a little bit, has not had a good year. And Chung, obviously, with all the injuries, I mean, it's great to just see him back healthy and, and playing on the court. Um, so it makes for an interesting matchup. I mean, both of those guys, I think, are going to be hungry for a win. I mean, if Chilich gets that that win, that's a big win for him to move on in the tournament. And, you know, he wants to finish his year out strong. And for Chong, I mean, a win over Marin Chilich, you know, coming back from the injuries, you know, now he's finally healthy. That could give him, you know, Hyun Chung a lot of confidence. So I think whoever comes out on top in that match is going to be feeling pretty good and, and has a chance to end their year, you know, the way that they want to. Yeah, definitely. Well, you said it there. I'll talk about Nishioka and Pui a little bit. They've only had one meeting at the ATP Tour level that Pui won, but that was a long time ago. Not sure that has any bearing on us. That was back in 2016. I think the reason this matchup is so interesting is just from a style perspective and then also just kind of what we've seen from Luca Pui. I think one thing that's interesting to me with him, at least in 2019, just kind of a question mark we've seen some great things from Pui especially with Moresmo coaching him and whatnot but then we've also seen some some disappointments from Luca so I think that early round of 32 match when he beat her catch in straight sets that's great for him but then last week he got upset by Quan six or seven six six two in the first round right then you saw you know when we go back to the U.S. Open he had a pretty good win over Cole Schreiber in four sets, but then loses to Dan Evans, right? So we've just seen some up and down from Luca Pui. We saw a great run from him in Cincinnati, ultimately getting taken out by Djokovic. I think that gave us a lot of confidence. Um, but, you know, before that, we saw him go out in straight sets to Raonic, who, you know, hasn't been in peak form in 2019. So we've just we've just got a lot of question marks. And then you've got a guy on the other side who you do not want to be feeling uneasy of your game when you're facing, right? This guy will track down everything and make you earn every single point and so if Luca Pui's not sharp in his aggression I think Nishioka's got a real chance to win this one yeah and that crowd's gonna be going too man I mean oh, they're gonna absolutely. definitely be behind Nishioka so uh Pui's gonna have you know more than one battle on his hands I, I think definitely. uh you know I would not be shocked I could be wrong but I definitely wouldn't be shocked to see Yoshi Nishioka come out on top in that one yep I think you are absolutely right, but that's definitely my one that I want to circle, not only be just because of the stylistic matchup, but just like you were alluding to, that atmosphere is going to be electric. So um, unfortunately, I don't know how much of that one I'm going to be able to catch slot, uh, slated to go on at 1 a.m. Central, 2 a.m. Eastern time, but if I'm able to catch any of it, I will certainly be happy, but uh, you can stay up for it. I'll just stay up. Yeah, I just I'll just stay up for all these matches. You know, I'll stay up for that one. That's the problem, man. If I stay up for one, you know, you want to if I'm staying up for one though. I'm like, ooh, who's on next? Like, that's intriguing, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's the problem. Oh man! Well, I'll I'll tell you what, man. I'll I'll be sleeping. That's for sure. I mean, I'll catch up. I'll catch well, him on the replay, but I will not be watching live. I will be in bed. 
Well, good for you. You are you're making the healthy decision, no <laughs> doubt. But listeners, we will continue to update you on results as we um, continue through these great tournaments in the Asian Swing here. Um, as you know, players try and get some good momentum and some some crucial points coming to uh, as 2019 comes to a close. But we'll keep you updated. Be sure to follow um, us on Twitter and Instagram with updates, and of course, the mini break and any GSPs as we sprinkle in Asian Swing results in there. Matt, thank you for coming on once again as my Wednesday regular. I love having you on. And what do we tell our listeners? That's a break. All right. And we'll catch you guys next time.